0: Welcome to episode number 43 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by the Liquor Store of Jackson Hole. Happily serving the community of Jackson Hole and the surrounding valley for over 35 years. Please visit the slash TLS to learn more. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Abrams, your host. I believe if you truly desire a fulfilling life both personally and professionally then you must be willing to find a connection with people outside of your everyday circle of influence which is why i created the jackson hole connection podcast today you and i will hear from mike Garou. mike's first visit to jackson hole was in 1975 while on a family vacation with his parents believe it or not the next summer mike was back in jackson hole to work during the summer months Fast forward a few decades and Mike is now a Wyoming state senator and owner of Jedediah's Catering and Concessions. Mike has applied for only two jobs in his life. The first was in 1976 to wash dishes during his first summer here in Jackson Hole. And the second was when he ran for the Wyoming State Senate. Today, we'll learn from Mike what it takes to start a business from the ground up in a quiet town, how operating during a recession can make you a stronger business person, and what drives Mike to be involved in his community and state. Mike, when you accepted my invitation to be a guest on the Jackson Hole Connection, I was so excited to be able to spend some time one-on-one and learn more about you.
1: Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Actually, honored to
0: be here. As always, it's always good to talk to you, Stephen. So, Mike guru is a Wyoming State Senator. Woohoo! Thank you for representing yes. our community in the state legislature of uh, in Wyoming down in Cheyenne. We all land here. Were you born here? No, I wasn't. No. Tell me, how did you get started here in Jackson Hole?
1: Well first, thanks for having me and it's a great question and it always with me it involves a story. In 1975, our family came here on a summer vacation and in 1976, the next summer, it was after my junior year of high school, I was uh, going to go spend the summer on our family ranch in Nebraska and just work for the summer on the ranch. But I thought it'd be a good idea to come out to Jackson Hole where we'd been the summer before vacationing. and do a little hiking and fishing and of course this was like say 1976 now so it was a different time so I sent by Graham bus all of my possessions enough stuff for the summer to work and then in another bag my uh, hiking and fishing stuff sent it on a bus from northern California where I grew up near Lake Tahoe and sent it to Jackson Hole then the next day I got on the bus and came out and my plan was was to uh come to Jackson Hole, pick up my camping gear, leave my rest of the summer stuff, go hiking for a couple of days and get back on the bus and finish my trip on to my summer job. So I came through uh, Salt Lake City on that bus. It was June 6th, 1976. And when I got off the bus in Salt Lake, I asked the nice man at the bus station when the next bus to Idaho Falls that took you to Jackson Hole was, and he looked at me and said, well, in about a week. And I said, (laughs) I said, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, big dam break over in Idaho Falls. And so the Teton Dam that day broke and flooded out a lot of southeast Idaho. And so kind of interrupted my travel plans. That was a Sunday. And uh, I was told that there was a bus to Jackson Hole on the next Tuesday, two days later, through Rock Springs. So for the next two days, I walked around Salt Lake City, um, toured the temple. Hang, just kind of hung out. And uh, being a good boy, I listened to my mother. I had a little gym bag with a clean set of underwear, and I had $20 <laughs> in my pocket, like the song said. And uh, like I say, I hung around Salt Lake City for a couple of days and got on the bus and uh, went through Rock Springs. So after a couple of days, I got to Jackson Hole, and I had a uh, bag that did not have clean underwear in it anymore, and uh, $20 was gone. So I kind of pretty much decided when I got to Jackson Hole, I was just going to grab my stuff, get on the, stay on the bus and go on. But I walked in the bus station, and a nice lady, Sydney Wheeler, if old locals would remember, ran the little bus station. And uh, I asked, showed her my claim check. And she said, well, your stuff's not here. And she figured that it probably got to Idaho Falls right around the time the water did. And so said it'd just take a couple of days to get straightened out. And, I just waited and come along well at this point I decided it was time to bring my parents into the equation I hadn't talked to him really since <laughs> since I'd left home so I decided to call and I talked to my dad and I told him that uh, I didn't have any money and had the bag of uh, not clean underwear and said it would probably be a good idea if he just wired me some money and I either came home or just went on somewhere else and just this wasn't working out My dad said, "Well, why don't you get a job?" Said it looked like there were a lot of kids working there. We were there last summer, and said, "Dad, I only understand my situation." I said, "I got no money. I got this bag, and I said that's it." And he goes, "Yeah, sounds like you need a job." (laughs) So I asked him if he put Mom on the phone, and Mom got on the phone and said, "Listen to your father." And so I sat down in the town square, and I cried for about the next hour, and cursed the day my parents were born. And when I finished crying, and uh, I finished up all that, I looked across the street, and there were two businesses. There was the Cowboy Bar, which I wasn't old enough to go into. And uh, next door was the uh, Silver Spur restaurant, which became the Cadillac Grill, which we now call local. And I walked in the Silver Spur and met a couple named Bob and Barbara White. And little did I know on that day in June of 1976 that I was going to ask The last person I ever asked for a job, except for the voters of Teton County. I asked Bob and Barbara for a job, and they said, you bet. Washing dishes, $2 an hour. And that they had a bed in a house two blocks from there, right across from where the Sweetwater Restaurant is being rebuilt, that building right across the street. We called it the Bean Hill House. And there were 14 of us that lived in that house. And uh, I rented a bed in that house from them for $50, so 14 of us paying $50, You go back to 1976, in today's dollars, it's probably about the same rent mm-hmm. as far as you know what I was getting paid per hour. So it was still hard to find a place to live then, and it was still expensive. But anyway, I got a job and a place to live in that one fail swoop conversation, and uh, I started work that night. And uh, since I only had one pair of clothes and I was washing dishes, I would go home to my 13 new roommates and I'd grab whatever coins and stuff out of bus tubs I could find during the shift. And I'd go over to Carolyn Hotton's Laundromat, which is across the street from what's now Jackson Hole Realty, uh, was Fred's Market then. And uh, I'd sit in a pair of gym shorts and wash my clothes because they were the only clothes I had. <laughs> and so after the first week, I got an advance from uh, my boss and went over to Browse and Buy, which was still there then in a different location. Bought some clothes and uh, was hanging out with my new roommates and was having such a great time, I just fell in love with Jackson Hole. My clothes never came. I ended up working the rest of the summer there. And that started a four-year stint, four-summer stint of working uh, for the Whites at the uh, Silver Spur. And then a couple of us um, who worked in the bakery, a couple named Byron and Kathy Shears, and Kathy still lives in town. And the three of us started Jedediah's in March of 1980.
0: No so that's kidding. the story
1: of how I came here.
0: Wow. And for somebody to say that you've only ever asked for one job, you've only ever applied for one job in your life, is remarkable. Um, I know. And, and, and except for when you ran for office and asked Teton County voters to put you in office, to elect you to, for office. I mean, you were asking them to for a job.
1: It's an interesting, it, especially today, um, when I talk to a lot, especially talk to young people and just the, the norm now with people, you know, not just, no, I'm not just talking about employees in Jacksonville, this is people who work all over the country, um, you know, change jobs much more often mm-hmm. than are the previous generation, my parents or, or your parents, maybe even, um, you know, traditional, the traditional norm of working one or two jobs your entire career. Um, yeah, for me, it was a, one, a one-stop shop, and, and the whites were incredibly good to me. Um, I actually spoke at, at Bob's funeral, um, and I was honored to do so and asked by their family to do it. And um, we were friends. Uh, we were lifelong friends, and uh, I learned a lot about business from them. A lot of things that I said I'd never do that I watched them do. I do now, and did, and have done for a long time, because I've learned why they did it. And uh, it was uh, it was a good lesson, and they were very good to me, and good, good mentors.
0: Fantastic. And I so appreciate you sharing the detail of how you got here, and, and then landed here. So then, you said it was a four-year stint of working here in the summer. So then after high school, you moved here.
1: Pretty much. I, that was, that was like say my junior year of high school after my junior was my first summer here. And so I kind of, let's, how do you say this nicely? I had some fun trying to go to college, but I could never kick the fun of living in Jackson Hole and how Mm -hmm. much I enjoyed it and how much I enjoyed living here and the friends that I'd made. So, uh, I went to, uh, went back and forth between school and Jackson and finally in 1980 I, I, when we opened the restaurant I came back here full time. And it's been my home ever since. And so as I tell my kids and they, when they lord over me all the time about how I tell them they need to go to school and they said, well, you didn't. And I tell them, yeah, but it was a lot harder not to. And it's been something that I tell kids all the time. I tell that story and I say, Yes, I've been very successful in our business, and I'm very proud of that, but it was a lot harder route, and so I encourage everyone to stay in school, whatever that is, whether it's technical college or, or full four-year university, whatever it is, get, your, get, your, get some sort of degree or certificate. It makes life a lot easier.
0: So you learned so much from the Whites, but at the same time, you've also become self-educated. With, with business. And, and I do want to get into the history of Jedediah's and how you started it and, and where you are now. Um, because in the pre-show you were telling me it's quite a story of, of how you um, did that. But where would you, what would you use as resources to continue your education, your learning?
1: Well, for us, Stefan, it was, you know, we worked we had a great education, like I say, from the Whites, and we learned the we learned the business really from you know just from soup to nuts there. And it was back in that once again, this is a different time, even in Jackson Hole. We we're right on the town square, right next to the Cowboy Bar, and it was only a summer business. Mm-hmm. They closed up and just after Memorial Day and or Labor Day, and and that was the uh, you know, that was the end of the season. And, and they didn't, start back up in Memorial Day weekend. So it Labor before.
0: Day. To Memorial Day, in essence, they were closed.
1: The cocktail hour in Jackson Hole, Mm -hmm. the original, yes. And so we opened it, uh, the folks that I started, uh, we started Jedediah's together with. We ran it for a winter with a group of other folks, but uh, it was kind of hit and miss. And it really wasn't until a little later that they actually started staying open for the winter. And we started Jedediah's in March of 1980 Mm -hmm. with... uh, Money I borrowed from family and a small equipment loan from a bank in Salt Lake City, and uh, literally, I know this is gonna scare people, but you know, we started and we're we started where Cafe Genevieve is now, and we literally turned that from a not a restaurant into a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, it was home of what we know as the Van Vleck House today. That is the Van Vleck House, and the Van Vleck House that was the kids' center when we took it over and and turned it into Jedediah's. And so, and I say this um, now cause it seems so far away, but uh, you know, for less than, less than $75,000, we took a, what essentially was a house and mm-hmm. turned it into a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, literally to open the doors and a far cry from what it would cost today. But what happened with us is that we opened and to be honest, we never thought we'd make it, and in those days, once again, we rented um, rented the space month to month. We had no lease, no paper trail, handshake deal with our landlord, Abby Gehrman, mm-hmm. who's still still kicking around town. And uh, Abby was a you know it was funny we had our we had our times, uh, the former mayor and I, and uh, but I tell you what he was he was best landlord I ever had. And unfortunately, I didn't know it at the time, Uh, but uh, I've come to know it over the years and have since told him that on many occasions. But, you know, when we started in business in 1980, um, construction people, most everybody, would come in and have a full breakfast every day. Hmm. And if you you drank a latte, you were from Europe. There was was no such thing as Starbucks. There was no such thing as uh, grocery stores that served food. It, at least here in Wyoming,
0: you. Starbucks, I believe, if you yeah. went to Seattle, you would have found a Starbucks right. in 1980. Right. But if you said latte in, on the town square in Jackson, people probably would have kicked you in the butt. Right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Get out of here, dude.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so that was, you know, that's the way it was. And so over time, as these things started to occur, when we got coffee shops and we got bagels, bagel shops, and the big one for us was uh, motels serving breakfast. When we started in the business, that didn't happen. But then over time that became a staple of that industry. Well, as each one of those things occurred, a little sliver of our business got peeled away. And so we were in town and operating in town just off the square for 27 years. But we noticed towards the last maybe 10 years of that, our stream of income And our business started just to level off. It always climbed nicely each year, got a little busier, just like Jackson got a little busier. But we started to level off when these little slivers got cut away from our business. And so, very serendipitously, about 16 years ago, um, we got a call one day out of the clear blue sky, literally and figuratively. um, And we got called by a company called NetJets that on that day I'd never heard of. And ask if we could make a couple of sandwiches to take up to the Jackson Hole airport for a private jet flight. Once again, little did I know, um, that company today and I do very robust um, business in three different communities. Aspen, Jackson Hole, and Missoula, Montana. And so we started there very you know, just in the basement of is in town catering for private jets at the Jackson Hole airport. And then when the contract came up to run the food service inside the airport, we thought, well, gosh, why don't we bid on it? Because then we could do our catering up there. And in addition, do a little extra business. And we got the contract, and it turned out to be a very good move for us. And we could see readily, I could see readily right away that it was something, this is the future where we need to be. So when we signed our second contract with the airport, the day after I closed the restaurant in town and uh, we moved our entire operation to the airport, which was a big deal for us because at that point for over 20 years, we just served breakfast and lunch downtown and dinner in the summertime and just kind of a nice little business that took care of my family and took care of our employees. But we saw this as a future. So it was scary, but we literally had to just make a sea change and just say, we're going to do it this way. And We did, we went off to the airport. And as i stated, we then now have moved on to a few years later, we got the Missoula airport. We've been there now for eight years. And then uh, two years ago, just now we're starting our third year at the uh, Aspen airport. And we do private jet catering at all three locations. And uh, today we have um, over a hundred employees. At our busiest time, we're closer to 150 employees in three different states it's it's a it's a large it's a large operation and uh ray bro who's my C- chief operating officer oversees the uh operation of those three restaurants and i oversee her and working on new projects and new things and then we have great managers at each of the three locations and a and a good team of employees that uh works to get that job done every day so it's a different kind of business. Um, we start early in the morning. We operate in each airport from first departure to last. And then the catering on top of it. And then we also do a bit of catering more and more each day. Here in Jackson, we do we do catering above and beyond. And in uh, Missoula and Aspen as well, actually. We're doing catering offsite on, in all three locations. Uh, Missoula, we work a lot of uh, concerts. We do, we work concerts and Run liquor. We have a liquor license there, and we'll run and we'll run um, we'll run concerts and do um, work with different promoters up there. Kind of a niche for us. Um, then our manager there comes from has a has a, a bar a beverage background, and so that's kind of his part, his take on it. Sean um, does a great job up there with that, and then Rachel, our, our manager in Aspen, she's kind of more of a foodie, and so. With the aspen food and wine festival that's her that's her thing and so we'll be there again this year and we've been there last year and really really enjoyed and really work on our brand there through that event and then do other catering and then here in jackson we cater weddings we cater parties we cater like i was telling you this morning we were catering in buffalo valley up at the diamond cross ranch for a group of uh corporate executives on a corporate retreat And we enjoy working with them and, um, you know, just all sorts of things that we do.
0: Spectacular story. I cannot imagine what it was like for you to make the decision of closing your original location and saying, this is the new business model that I'm going after. Big shift.
1: It was a scary time, Stephen. Literally, and it's funny because now when I walk into Cafe Genevieve and Sit down. I didn't go in for the first couple of years because I felt I'd have this just uncontrollable desire to start seating people and running back to the <laughs> kitchen, and I thought that would really scare them. So I decided not to do that to them. But uh, but now we go in and enjoy enjoy eating there just like everyone else does. They do a great job there. And but I sit in that dining room. And if you sit in the dining room at Cafe Genevieve, you look at the back corner, be the north east corner of the building, you see a door. Well, when you look at that door, you may not even notice it. But when I look at that door, I just remember I had a mattress inside that room. And I would go in between shifts, uh, between the lunch shift and the dinner shift, and sleep in there for three hours every day during the summer for, God, 10 years. And uh, because it was just Faster and easier than trying to go home, and mm-hmm. I'd have to jump up and answer a question or do so. So I just go in there. So for everyone else, that's just a closet. For me, it was, you know, a bedroom and actually a building that I spent more time in than the house I grew up in. And so it's very strong emotions when I'm in there. But it was hard to walk away. It was hard to say, look, this is what we've always known. This was where our comfort zone was. The community knew us. The community accepted us there. We were part of the fabric of the community in that location and we just said you know what it's time to make a change and so uh, we you know we miss that local feel I miss talking to the locals just coming in having a cup of coffee Um, at the time it was a big part of what we do and it was a big part of my life but you know, we still get to see folks at the airport when they're taking off and they go on those early morning flights when a lot of locals are there, you still meet them. And so I get a, we get a little of that and we try to bring that to that same experience. We try to bring to folks at the airport. It's different, I know, but, uh, when I talk to new employees, I still say the same thing that I told employees back in 1980, that, that we try to make sure that when you walk into Jedediah's that, uh, Whoever our customer is, that they made a friend in Jackson Hole. If we answer questions for them, help them out, the airport especially, give them information. Information is key in an airport. Customers don't have it. We do. We know what's going on there a lot. We can look out the window and see what's happening and just see little telltale signs of if a plane's going to be delayed or this or that. And we can let customers know what's happening with their flights and. And so we try to pass that information on. And the airports really embrace that and they work hard at doing that now and, as well. And so we all work together. It's a good team
0: operation and we enjoy working up there very much. Well, congratulations on your successes with all of the airports. And, and I know that's hard work, especially when planes leave it bright and early in the morning, which means mm-hmm. to provide food for them, you're getting up even earlier. Somebody on your staff is getting up early. And a lot, a lot of times it's you. Mm-hmm. Who's doing that. Going back to Jedediah's, I do have a, a very fond memory of eating there. And I, it had to have been one of my first or second years out here. And I was waiting in line for breakfast and I started talking to a couple. And they said, Do you want to join us for breakfast? Sit with us for breakfast. Said, We're not going to pay for you, but we'd love to have you sit with us. We can keep talking. I said, Absolutely. Said, Sounds like a great idea. And honestly, I, th- I would say that was part of the feel of Jedediah's that. Um, was created there that people would do that have that type of interaction because honestly in my lifetime I've never had anybody say that to me before have I done it to other people maybe once or twice but I think it just shows and is a testament to the type of operator that you are and what you were doing there at Jedediah is that the feel that you gave people
1: I appreciate that we you know it really was an experience, and we used to talk a lot to the staff about it and we'd train our staff on it. And we would, I would go through an exercise with them and it'd say, tell the staff, I'd go, think about, and you can try this, you know, yourself anytime. Just think of the five best meals you had in your life. Just think about that for a second, and reflect on the five best meals you had in your life. Well, and I asked my employees, I go, okay, if you're like an average person, At least three of those have to do with an event that you were at. Someone's wedding, maybe yours, or an anniversary for your parents, or a holiday, something with family. Three of those meals probably fall into that category. Well, two, then, of your top five were really because of the food itself. So the food was the deal. Well, if you're an average American, you eat 80,000 meals out in your lifetime. Well, through this exercise, we just explained that two of them were probably for the food. So something else that brings you to a restaurant, it may be something else that gets you there. And for us, it was Jedediah's House of Sourdough. It was a hook. The hook was sourdough. It was something that kind of tempted you to the more adventurous. And a different type of person that came to our restaurant. And so we seized on that, and with our old newspaper menus that had the articles about Jackson Hole, which we printed solely because our kitchen was slow,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and so you wouldn't notice how long it took you to get your food because we gave you a newspaper to read, mm-hmm. and so that was all part of the gig and trying to promote that kind of, you know, ask questions. We have a, we train our staff. What are you doing in Jackson Hole today? Are you going on a float trip? Hey, we got some brochures over here and give you and you know, train our staff. It's like any question that they have, we can answer. And if you can't answer it, ask me, I'll know. And so we tried to foster that image that you've got a friend in Jackson. And so people would come back, they'd go home and they'd give those menus. They'd take them home with them because we give them away. And they'd come back and they'd give them to their neighbors. And their neighbors would come back clutching this menu that their neighbor had given. Oh, you got to go to the sourdough place. And, you know, our food wasn't the best and it never has been. But we try our best to give good service, to give an honest value, and to talk and be friendly to our customers. And you know, that's what we found is to be our recipe for success, is to try to do that. And when we go in now and talk about bidding on a new airport or going and talking, that's what we talk about. We talk about the experience. We talk about you know, trying to make sure that customers, you know, we give a good value and a good product. But we understand this is not a five-star deal. It's not what you were there for. Now, in an airport setting, when you're in an airport, you're a little revved up because, you know, you're you're traveling and you're kind of a little bit out of control of your situation. You know, the, when the plane leaves, where it goes, how it goes, weather dependent, whatever it is, things can crash up and you're really not in control of the situation. And so, You get, you know, folks in airports are a different clientele. And we also understand and we talk to our staff a lot about, look, we're the only restaurant in the airport. And as I like to say to them all the time, if there was another airport across the street, would anyone come to this one? Even though there's not an airport across Mm -hmm. the street, at least get them thinking about, hey, you know, just because we're the only game in town at that particular moment in time, it doesn't mean that you don't still have to give people a good experience. And so we try. It's difficult when planes get delayed and all of a sudden we're not a 100-seat restaurant anymore. We're a 700-seat restaurant because that's how many people are in the hold room. And we've got to try to feed them all. It's not like – and sometimes we stop calling it a restaurant, actually, as far as how we see ourselves. There's not a host to stand in front where someone walks up, to you have a reservation? Mm -hmm. And say, oh, you don't, well, we're a little busy right now. You can't come back, come back in an hour. Mm -hmm. We can't do that. We don't have that opportunity. So through grab and go items, cooked items, bar, we do all sorts of different things to try our best to try to get product into people's hands so they can be comfortable while they wait for their flight. And so it's a different animal than a regular restaurant but uh we work hard at it and uh we work hard at it every day
0: i love it and and i agree it's it's always a great place to visit when flying out of jackson hole mike we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back have you ever wondered how to make one of those cool cocktails you enjoyed at your favorite restaurant ever look at a wall of wine and wonder why does all of this exist did you know beer and food can complement each other well, all of these answers and more can be discovered at the liquor store of Jackson Hole. The knowledgeable and friendly staff love making your experience one to remember. Please stop in to say hello to the fun and friendly staff and discover something new to make your taste buds dance. Visit the slash TLS for more details. Mike, you've shared so much information at this point with being a business person and landing here in Jackson. And you've added so much to this community and are now serving as a Wyoming Senator for Teton County. Thank you for serving. Share with us what prompted you to decide to run for office, but also because Wyoming is such a unique state. What is it like being a state Senator here in this state?
1: Well, Kevin, yeah, as far as the first part of your question, um, and you'll like this given you given one of your many many businesses but um i've got i ran for the town council back in 1998 because i got mad at him over a liquor license that was mine i thought it was anyway and i didn't get one and i wanted one and um got a little exercised at the town council about how that process went through and frankly just decided next time a liquor license was given out in this town i was going to be the one doing that given and so i uh, actually just started going to city council meetings. And after three meetings, the mayor came to me and said, you want to be on the planning commission? I said, sure. Two years later, I ran for the council and uh, and got on there and served there for four years and six years on the county commission, um, four years and then that I ran for, and then two years I was appointed to fill an unexpired term. And then ran for the uh, Wyoming house, um, a couple of years ago, and then uh, when Leland Christensen decided not to seek the Senate seat uh, from here, I uh, I ran for that and ran last year and uh, was elected. So, just finishing my first year. And I guess the reason why um, I always wanted, you know, this community has been really good to me, as I was talking earlier. The only place I ever got a paying job so I owed <laughs> I owed something for that um, if nothing else yeah that was that was what started it and I think that the local experience has helped serving at the state level is something that uh, I always wanted to try to do because I used to as a city councilman a county Commission we would lobby the legislature I'd spend time in Cheyenne lobbying legislators or l- legislators on issues for cities and towns and our city and our county um, in particular. And so I always wanted to try to give that a shot. And so I did, and, and when I started, the first thing that hit me was all those years I'd gone down to talk to legislators about an issue. Well, when you're there, <laughs> people come and go and you're still there. And last year, the best way to explain it, last year um, in my freshman year as a senator, Um, 435 pieces of legislation came across my desk for action. And the one thing I've learned in my time in the legislature, each one of those 435 bills is important to somebody. And sometimes I'm not sure where and when and how they'll be important to somebody, but they are. And sooner or later, I'm going to hear about it. And so you try to take each one as they come and people have a different impression, I think, of what actually happens because they see what happens at the national level, which is frankly very little. And then you hear about gridlock and you hear about, you know, things not getting done. Where in Cheyenne, well, some people may think what we do isn't what we should be doing at one time or another. But the one thing that does happen from beginning to end, from the first day we go into session um, until the day we gavel out, we work. And we work every day and it starts early in the morning and it goes until late in the evening. And we go through, like I say, over 37 day span, 435 pieces of legislation across my desk. And so it's a pace and a tempo that uh, I think people would be, it's interesting to watch, let's put it that way. Um, as far as you've been down there, I think you've seen it. We definitely do a, compress a lot of work into a small amount of time um, we're a citizen legislature we do not have offices we have a combined staff we don't have a staff of our own which I think are good things we uh we uh, our office is our desk we don't get paid very much and I think that would I think I'd like to see that change not because frankly I'm looking for the money because I'm not But I think it would be easier for more people to run for the job, which I think would be very important. That's one of the big limiting factors to be in the legislature. You need to take a couple of months off of your job and literally go down there for very little or no pay. And while that sounds good from a cost efficiency standpoint, I think the unfortunate result or maybe the unintended consequence, maybe, um, is that uh, it cuts a lot of people out of the process. And I don't think that's a good thing. I mean, when I was in the House of Representatives, I was the youngest Democrat in the House. I just turned 60. That's not good. (laughs) I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good for...
0: um, for, I think two things, I'm gonna stop you there for a second. There's two things interesting about that statement. Okay, one, you were the youngest and you were 60, but then also Democrat in Wyoming. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, the Democrat in Wyoming part is a little bit problematic. You know, where are when I was in the House, there are nine Democrats in the House out of 60. Uh, in the Senate, I am one of three out of 30. Um, the good news is I'm the oldest in the uh, Senate of the Democrats, so there are younger people there. And since we since Teton County um, through its wisdom, elected Mike Yin, um, now in the House, We've cut, the, we've cut that age skew down by half mm-hmm. just by having him there. And I can tell you that he has been a true breath of fresh air in that, in that body. He's a very thoughtful young man. And I think uh, going in the door, I think a lot of folks didn't really know how to even react to someone younger in the body. And there are younger people in the body. They're on the Republican side, there's a few that are, that are, that are younger. But to have a young Democrat there was it was a little bit different. But he's a very thoughtful man, and I think that he has done acquitted himself very very well in the legislature, and I think people would be very proud of him, um, and his service. But uh, he's an anomaly because he's you know because of his job, um, working computers and 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 more consulting type work, he could fit this into his time schedule. But that's a narrow segment of the population. Well, we. We worry about the fact that we don't have as many women as we'd like to have in the legislature. And it's a true, once again, a true fact that we don't. But once again, I think that the that the way we have to do it by just literally going down there for two months and doing nothing else. And I, frankly, I don't come home because we don't get done until 5 o'clock on Friday. And I have to be back at 6 a.m. on Monday. and it, Drive home, especially in the winter, from Cheyenne back to Jackson. We usually, come home either Presidents Day or Martin Luther King weekend, where we have a three-day weekend. But that's it. And mm-hmm. so, it's difficult if you're if you're a younger family person, male or female, it doesn't matter. If you have younger kids, it's tough to take that much time away, and it's a big sacrifice in my family um, that they have to go through, and they do it, and I and I love them for it. But not a lot of families can, and so. That's something we, I think eventually we're going to have to work on.
0: So when the state legislature is not in session, you're still doing work on the state side for as a senator and for the legislature. So what does that look like? And how many communities are you traveling around and uh, visiting during that time?
1: When I was in the House,
0: that's a great question. When I was in the House, the um,
1: a normal legislator just your average legislature would serve on two committees when i was in the house i was on labor health and uh, travel recreation and wildlife Um, and then you would meet during the interim what we call the interim when we're not in session three times for each committee so there'd be six meetings that you would have to go to around the state that you're obligated to go to and that would be just about it and so you know a couple of days for each meeting so about Twelve days that you spend when you're off set when you're off session during the summer and the fall, usually that you would go to these meetings. Well, in the Senate, I have the great honor of serving on the Appropriations Committee. And when you're on the Appropriations Committee, you'd usually just serve as a your main job on that. Because there we will meet for about twenty days in. December and January before the session begins, like this year is a budget session. The appropriations committee will work and put together a budget for the entire state for two years. The governor submits a budget, we will submit it in November, and then in December and January, the appropriations committee made up of House and Senate members, and Andy Schwartz, um, our representative from our other representative from Teton County, and myself, um, both are on appropriations, which is one of the few times in the history of um, Teton County that we have two members on appropriations. Uh, but the two, we work with with uh, our, our colleagues on the House and Senate side, and we put together, work with the governor's budget to put together a budget to present to the legislature, which we will do in February. And then the, the entire body then will go over that budget and approve it and then send it to the governor, hopefully for his signature. So we'll spend a lot of time in December and January in Cheyenne, in addition to that, I also serve on a couple of committees that don't meet as often but are very important: uh, Management Council, which is the council that run the the committee that actually runs the day-to-day operations of the legislature. Um, and we only meet a few times a year, but we take on some issues and kind of set the schedule and set the priorities for the for the uh, legislature as a whole. Then, in addition to that, I'm on Management Audit Council, which works on auditing programs to see how they're working. We set up a program and then we'll go back and say, how's that program working? Is it doing what we intended it to do? Gosh, what else am I on? Let's see. Capital finance and investment. And that committee works on investment for the state of Wyoming. A lot of people don't know that uh, Wyoming has the uh, 23rd largest sovereign wealth fund in the world. Um, it's our permanent mineral trust fund. It's billions of dollars that, uh, that, th- that our treasurer, Uh, Kurt Meyer um, is in charge of as treasurer but we the legislature work with him and uh, works on that also works on the on the investments that uh, our Wyoming Retirement System has which is important to every state employee um, who's involved in that system and so we work on that Um, in addition to that I'm on the Natural Resource Policy Council where we actually work with uh, work with a number of different groups funding natural resource projects and so those are committees that meet less often but the work that they do is very important one of the things i'm very honored feel honored to be a part of is through appropriations appropriating our budget and then working on with with the investment and the investment side of of our funds and working on the audit side of our fund get a really deep overall appreciation for every dollar that uh, taxpayers put into the state of wyoming and how those dollars are spent and so and i see it from actually a position i'm the only person that's on all those committees and so it's a lot of work but uh, it's very rewarding work i enjoy it very much
0: it's a lot of time that you are committing to the wyoming legislature and to teton county and thank you and. It pulls you away from your family and your business, and I know it takes a a, a very regimented balance so you can uh, manage all of that. If people are thinking about being involved in their community, whether it's on town council or a nonprofit or moving into the state, what would you recommend how they start,
1: Stefan? I You know, I encourage it's people come to me all the time and ask that question. I say, boy, just get involved wherever you can, whenever you can. Um, You know, we joke and I know uh, my friend uh, Mr. Munz likes to likes to poke fun at all at our at our all our nonprofits and our philanthropy and boards and things. And I enjoy his shows, enjoy his work. Matter of fact, he was at my house last night, and I enjoyed spending an evening just talking to him about stuff about that, because it's interesting, a young person's perspective, who's lived here, or grew up here. Uh, but I tell folks, just get involved. And whether it's, in, even if it's, if, whether it's a nonprofit or even more of the point, working on, there's so many boards and commissions that the town council and county commission works on, whether it's a fair board or parks and rec and boy get your feet wet there and then if you really if you really feel like there's something that you really have something to say and want to go take it to the next level run for office. You know, I've run a number of times and I've won and I've lost. And you know, I always tell folks, one's better than the other, but neither one is fatal. So, you know, like I say, winning's a little more fun, but it comes with an awesome responsibility, and it's it 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 does that's the part that once you take you you raise your arm and you take that oath and I, I talked to people a lot about this last year because it really did hit me this year, especially when you stand in front of the Chief Justice of the Wyoming Supreme Court and he's as far away from you as I am from you right now and he says raise your right hand and repeat after me. And you swear an oath to the State of Wyoming Constitution and the US Constitution. It's a very riveting thing, it's very powerful. And you sit down in your desk down there in Cheyenne and you sit and you start looking around and you say, wow, this is a big deal. And I felt that way when I started in the town council, I felt that way in the county commission and still feel that way today. It is an awesome responsibility But one I take very seriously and try very hard to let people know while it's hard work and it's tough work, it's incredibly rewarding and it's incredibly necessary, especially for business people. And and not just business people, but more, you know, it's important now more than ever, um, I believe, that uh, folks that uh, really have that investment in the community step up. And take time. It's so hard when you're in business because you're trying to balance and juggle all these things with employees, family, and everything else. But boy, if you got, just squeeze out that little extra time and serve your community because it really does matter. And every voice matters. And people need to hear. I, and I tell people all the time I certainly wouldn't want a Wyoming legislature filled with people like me. And I know a lot of people agree with that. But, but I, but I also think that, you know, we all have a voice and whether it's, let's say one of three Democrats out of 30 or whether it's a business, but I can say, you know, when I get up and say, you know, I'm a Democrat and I'm talking about this issue, I can also look, look everyone straight in the eye in that room and say, I'm a businessman and I'm a Democrat and I want, and I want to give you that perspective. And that's the perspective of my constituents that I'm bringing down to you. And so I do it as well as I can. I know sometimes I don't do it as well as some people would like, but that's not, that's the other part I noticed during that uh, oath that I took. It didn't say anything about doing it, you know, the way the majority of people may want it at one particular point in time, is to follow the Constitution and it's to do this and do it in a certain way and so I do and like I say agree or disagree that's what elections are for and that's why we get to have them and so I always I always look forward to them and without fear because I know that if someone else runs and the community would like them to do the job instead of me and they would rather have someone else do it that's perfectly fine it's happened to me before and I do just fine when (laughs) they're going back I go back to work and and like I say, I've gotten to serve the community and I've enjoyed every job I've had at that. And so, and now being the Senate, I never would have thought I would have been there when I started on the town planning commission 30 some years ago, talking about people's yards or adding a bathroom on their house. And now today working on a multi-billion dollar budget um, for an entire state. I just never thought it would work that way, but that's the way it worked out. And I've enjoyed the ride.
0: That's fantastic. And like you said, you never thought you would be where you are today doing it, but it's the way it worked out. So you just you follow the path, you keep doing what you're going to do, and you see where it takes you. Kudos to you for for staying focused and providing so much to the community here in Jackson, Teton County, and to the state of Wyoming. For people that might want to connect with you, do you have a an email address that you want to share with folks? So if somebody wanted to reach out and um, connect with you.
1: Yeah, um, the easiest way is, and this is actually for anything related to legislative stuff. Um, Wyoming Ledge, for legislature, yo Ledge, WYOLEG dot gov, um, is the place to go, and you can find out anything about any bill, any piece of legislation. You can browse, calls browsing legislation. You can look at titles of bills from the last session, or you can just go, It says there's a section, there's a page called legislators, and you can go to go to my page, and you can look at every bill I've ever sponsored, you can look at every vote I've ever taken, um, and it's all there, and it's a very transparent way, and as we move, we're very excited. Um, next month, we're gonna be moving into the new capital, we're re, not new for us, new for me, because I have not served there. Um, we've been in a, under for the last few years a $300 million renovation of the Capitol. Um, and we're moving back in. Work's done. And next month, on the 10th, which is Wyoming Statehood Day, uh, we will be in session that day. We shortened our session this year. It's a management council decision that I was part of um, to have a one day session uh, for ceremonial purposes. And we're going to open the Open the remodel capital, and we're very excited about it. And the one of the great things about it is, is that up to now, um, only some of our meetings are live streamed or available for the public to listen to online. Once fully operational in the Capitol, we will have, uh, it's my hope, that we'll have all of our meetings live streamed. So everyone will be able to listen to every meeting and they'll be archived and you'll be able to watch them. I think one of the greatest things that the town and county has done is they live stream their meetings and they're available. You can watch them. And 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 I do it often because people will say, boy, I saw something that, or heard something that the county commissioners do. I go, gosh, I don't know. I'll go look, but, but let's go watch it. And then you can pull it up online and watch. And, and, and the legislature should be the same way. And we've been a little slow to kind of get caught up with that and but we are and so and to get a hold of me personally it's mike.guru g-i-e-r-a-u at yoledge.org or .gov sorry um and so <laughs> go on the website um and you can and you can find me and uh and people do with alarming regularity and write all the time and it's great actually I try it. I try my best to respond especially to all the local people that write in as as often as I can, but people reach out all the time. and, And when you go on that site, my cell phone number's on there, it's listed, and you can call anytime and people do that too. And so we try to get people answers to questions. And so always enjoy talking to folks.
0: Spectacular. Thank you, Mike, for all this insightful wisdom and what you're doing for us as a community. And congratulations to all your successes in business. Great seeing you today. Thanks a lot,
1: Stephan. Always a pleasure.
0: To learn more about Mike, his work as a state senator, please visit the thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 43. I do love hearing from my listeners and subscribers. If you have feedback or suggestions, send an email to connect at thejacksonholeconnection.com. Please remember when you're in Jackson Hole to be sure to visit my friends at the liquor store of Jackson Hole. I could not create this podcast without the support of my wife, my editor, Michael Mori, my musical director, Luke Taylor, and my marketing guru, Hannah Hoffman. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.